Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Field by Weird podcast, the only podcast to seek out new life and new civilizations and to boldly go where no man has gone before. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with my friend, writer Lee Newman, and his artist on Queen Barbarian Charybdis, Shiro. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing good. Good. Well, I'm glad to have you guys with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. All right. So usually on these, I like to start things off with an icebreaker question. And, you know, Lee, I, we've talked a little bit online, but this is kind of the first time we've met face to face and Shiro, this is the first time we've met. So my question today for you guys is what is the most underrated song that everyone should listen to at least once in their lives? Wow. That is a deep question. That is a, <laughs> that is a serious icebreaker, right? Um, I've got some good ones. I'm going to let Shiro, why don't, why don't you lead? Let me, let me see what you say and maybe I'll come up with something as good you do realize that i listen like exclusively like to weird al yankovic and francois Pérus, right well, there <laughs> and there's go. no that's underrated okay. weird al yankovic song that's true <laughs> you know i think i guess i really like prince so i think if i had to pick something it'd be something out of the prince catalog like purple rain's a good one that's like an iconic song that's a good one I think for me, and this is kind of a weird one, and some people would think this is sacrilege because I'm skipping a couple of holidays, but my song is my favorite Christmas song ever, right? and it's going to be one that no one really will expect, but it's uh, <laughs> Dominic the Donkey by Lou Monty. If you guys I have no idea what that is, but I will definitely be listening to that because you said I should listen to it at least once <laughs> in my lifetime. So I will I will share it with you guys. Um yes, actually, please. really quick, I will get the link and I'll just copy it into the chat really fast. If I can find the chat, there it is right there. And there we go. Now you guys can have it for reference for later. Excellent. It's it's the weirdest song, um, but I absolutely love it. And every every year, when it's that holiday season, I just have to listen to it at least once, and that really gets me in the holiday season spirit. So, it's a weird song, but it's a fun song. So I need to just tell everybody about it because it's it's in no way a good song, but it's a fun song. And if you're a fan of Weird Al Shiro, you're gonna really enjoy this song. I think. <laughs> Yay. Perfect. Okay, so the concept of Fueled by Weird is basically all the stuff that you're into, all the stuff that you like doing, your hobbies, likes, interests, all that stuff. That's what fuels who you are and, you know, essentially what fuels your weird. So, Lee, let's start with you. What are the things that fuel your weird? Oh, man, this is excellent because I actually was making a list of things I wanted not to forget. when, when he, uh, <laughs> So this is perfect. Uh, one of the, and I think one of the best things about Shira and myself is there's probably a lot of overlap in this too. That's actually how we became, uh, friends is because we had so much overlap in the things we like. Um, I love like pulpy old horror comics, like EC and Warren stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, anything like kind of like vintagey horror stuff, like, you know, like the old classic, uh, Halloween decorations and things like that. Obviously I grew up on things like eighties cartoons, masters of the universe, um, and then into like the 90s, stuff like Pirates of Dark Water and things like that. So uh been reading comic books since I was a kid. I, I mean, I just I love I love the medium. I pretty much anything like visual movies, TV shows, music. It's a lot. I mean, it's really 
a melting pot of things that I enjoy. I mean, I put on music while I write to kind of get me in the mood for whatever I'm writing. We actually have a whole uh, Barbarian Queen curve this playlist that I put together for myself, but shared publicly. Oh, um, nice. So you'll have to share that with me. I'm very interested. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, but that that's pretty much that's pretty much me. Is like a, a old. If I had to put a pin on one thing, it's like old horror stuff. Okay. Um, because I really like like gritty old horror stuff and and like uh and like really gritty indie stuff like the old the original Eastman layered TMNT comics. Mm. So like the black and white ones, like you'll see a lot of that in like in the comic that we're making too. So that's a lot mm. of inspiration for me. It's kind of like that cusp of indie nineties uh kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, see me myself, I'm not a huge horror fan. Um, I mean, there's some of the newer Ooh. stuff that I will. <laughs> There's some of the newer stuff I'll make exceptions for, like uh, The Strangers is one. That one kind of really I dig. Um, I just saw the trailer yesterday for the new reboot they're doing, and it looks incredible. Um, and the Saw movies, just because they're more kind of mess with your head. <clears throat> they really make you think and really kind of get into your brain. That's kind of the ones I really like. But for the most part, I'm not a super big fan of horror, except for, like you said, you know, the classic like Universal Monsters, all like the the old school stuff. I really dig that stuff. Um, so I'm a big fan. Um, and there was something else. Oh, and the fact that you are one of only one other, you and one other person, the only people have ever, I've ever heard mentioned pirates of dark water. And I think really incredible. Um, I thought it was just a fever dream show that I watched once when I was a kid and no one had ever heard of, but I have another, uh, Facebook friend who shared about it. And I was like, Holy cow. No, people really know, like not a lot of people have talked about this show, but the fact that you did is really cool because, yeah, that that was a, a big show for me growing up. Well, mostly because I'm kind of into pirates a little bit. Mm. But uh, me with my uh, one piece Roanor Zorro shirt Oop, disappeared. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Too fast. but yeah, um, yeah, I'm a big pirate fan. So that's cool that that, you know, there's more people out there that remember the show. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's excellent. And like I um, I saw that, obviously, in the 90s as a kid. And then as an adult, I worked at a comic shop and I picked up uh, Michael Ringo's Telos. I don't know if you're familiar with that series, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's almost the same kind of vibe. That's so cool. like, I mean, if you like Pirates of Darkwater, highly, highly recommend Telos because it's the same kind of like high fantasy stuff. It's got like sky piracy instead of water piracy. So it's, oh, right it's good. Yeah, well, big recommend. Kind of like steampunk sky pirate stuff. Well, it's it's like pure. It, it does have like it's it's weird. It's a I don't want to spoil anything, but it's a big. It's an amalgamation of a lot of kind of like anachronistic stuff into the fantasy, and it all makes sense in the end. But it's it's a great story. So Ooh, okay, I'm gonna have to hit you up that for later for sure. Absolutely. All right, Shiro. What kind of stuff feels your weird? Uh, well, pretty much the same. <laughs> Except <laughs> me, I have more Sailor Moon and more ponies. Oh, <laughs> Very cool. But like, I hit, I'm assuming you can see behind me that I have yeah. a couple of the uh, bookcases. Another one over there. They're full of all kinds of comic books, and how to draw comic book books, <laughs> Japanese comic books, uh, some European comic books. I have the whole collection of Asterix down there. I have a uh, ton of things. I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> oh, you're okay. I I have some a book from from Richard Corbin. Because if there's one thing I like actually about classic horror art is the amount of detail and how hard they studied anatomy because the more realer, quote unquote, the characters are, the worse it is. Oh, man. I find that beautiful artistically. Fair enough. 
Very cool. All right. So I think we're gonna... oh, I'm sorry. I oh, just want to say, ahead. I think it's, I think it's really funny that um, Shiro mentioned Corbin because I had in my notes Bernie Wrightson to mention as influence, who is another one of like the another one of those iconic uh, horror illustrators. Very cool. All right, so you know, let's kind of shift gears now. So, Lee, what was it that got you inspired to start becoming a writer in the first place? Um, well, like I've always written, I actually, we were cleaning around the house a while ago and I found a story I wrote in the nineties called Larry the leech. <laughs> it's like just <laughs> as a kid in school, I wrote this yeah. really weird story about a leech. And I remember taking it to my dad. He was like a pretty, you know, straight laced, clean cut guy. And he was like, this is fantastic. And I was like, yeah, it is. So, I mean, like that was, I guess the, that planted the seed. Um, but I've, uh, I mean, I've always liked to write and I've always liked to tell stories. I think what kind of catalyzed me into uh i can maybe do this and people will want to read it is uh oh man like now a deck almost over a decade ago um i wrote a, a horror story for a radio station uh rob zombie and alice cooper were touring together at halloween and they said if you can write a horror story and we like it we get, give you tickets and backstage passes and i couldn't afford either one of those so i um I wrote a horror story and uh, not only did they accept it, but they gave me backstage passes to meet Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. And uh, I got to go to the show and didn't have to pay for the tickets or anything. So it was pretty cool. And I actually ended up, that was the start of my auditorium horror series. I actually kind of led that into a whole series of prose stories I wrote that then we later spun that off into short comics that are free to read on global comics. Very cool. And that's cool that, you know, your dad was kind of your launching point because that's kind of how it worked for me, too. He was my biggest fan. I was always really excited when I had new stuff to show. Hey, be the first one I'd always want to run to to show just because he always I don't really know if he actually really liked it. But just the fact that he told me he did kind of was just enough for me. And I just that was that was kind of it for me. So I just always used to kind of write for him. So that's that's very cool that we kind of have that in common. All right, Cheryl, what was it that? got you inspired to become an artist? Um, I'd like to say that professionally, what inspired me to become an artist was Sailor Moon, was watching Sailor Moon on YTV. Oh my God, they're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I know a lot of friends when I was going through school got inspired by Sailor Moon and stuff like that because they, they would draw that all the time. That's very cool. And that's what I did. But if you count when I started drawing constantly, I was three years old. (laughs) My mom still has my first official drawings in her wallet laminated. It's super cute. It's a little bird and a doggy. (laughs) That's cool. But like I started then and I haven't stopped yet. I'm pretty sure even if my hand falls off, I'll still find a way to draw. (laughs) A little obsessed. Just a little little, little bit. (laughs) That's good. Being passionate about that kind of thing is different. Very, very cool. I know my daughter, my oldest daughter has been drawing ever since she was about the same age. So it's very cool to kind of see that progression from, you know, when you start to now, just, you can see, you know, you know, when you're in the moment, you might not feel like you're, you're getting any better, but when you can see where you started to where you are now, that's very cool that your mom kept all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right. So Shiro, we're going to start with you this time. You know, when you go into, uh, a session where you're going to sit down and, and try and draw something, whether it's, you know, when you're not trying to draw a comic for someone, 
where do you get your inspiration from? Where do you get your ideas from of what you, what you want to create? You know, that part's hard to tell. Because okay. usually when I sit down and I start to draw for myself, I kind of zone out. And like three hours later, I blink and, oh, there's art. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, I seriously, I seriously zone out. Like I'm not there. I might hear my mom call me when she needs something, but I, it doesn't really register sometimes. And uh, it's just... It's just there because I have several styles that I like to play in. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have an idea. Okay, I want to draw an action scene in this style. And then it just happens. It, there's no real thinking or planning process. It just happens. <laughs> it's just kind of just, that's cool that it just kind of just happens that way. That's that's very cool. You can just, just very, it's... I, it's as organic really to you as, as breathing. Art is blocked. That's what that's what's going on. That's fair. I mean, that's cool that you know, just like it's just as natural to you as breathing. That's that's very cool. I like that. All right, Lee. Where do you get your inspiration uh, from? What are my inspirations? Before we get going, I, I want to say something that Shiro glossed over. Uh they mentioned drawing in a specific style. I have never met someone who can style switch like like Shiro does. I mean, literally. <laughs> When you hear in that style, that's exactly what it means. Like there's, I mean, I can say, hey, can you do this like Archie or could you do this like old horror comics or can you do this like Dragon Ball Z? And it's just like, it's crazy. It's it's amazing. That's cool. Um, yeah, it, it's it's mind blowing the, the amount of style chameleonry, but still maintaining a, a sense of Shiro's own artwork and everything that that's done. Um, but I guess now we got to talk about me. Uh, um, yes, please. I guess with... <laughs> When I Please sit down continue. to start, <laughs> oh yeah, let me just keep talking about Shiro. I could. Um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, when I sit down to write, I I think when I write for me, uh, I usually have like an idea. Like a lot of times, if I'm writing for me, it's usually one of these kind of Twilight Zone type stories because I that's kind of like my my leisure writing is just to um, do these little mini stories, like little short stories. So I'll just mm -hmm. have an idea. Or if it's a comic, I'll usually have like a piece of dialogue in my head, sure. um, especially if it's like a, a like a a joke or something I want to tell, or like a, spe a specific story segment. Like, okay, wouldn't it be cool if you know a, a giant raptor leapt out of the bushes and in our barbarian story? Okay, so how do we make that work in the context of a story? Or wouldn't this be a good plot twist for a, a short horror story? And so I kind of like, I start from, you know, you start, sometimes you start at the end and work backwards. You start at kind of like the bullet point and find the, where everything meets together. Um, also, sometimes I do just do the Shiro method and sit down to write blackout and there's a story. So sometimes <laughs> that happens. That works. Well, and it's we'll funny. to points later. <laughs> that, there you go. You just get all everything out and just make it make sense later. Um, it's funny you mentioned a rapper drumming out of the bushes because I've told this story on a few other shows, but there was one time where I was reading a book by Felicia Day about, you know, inspiring, you know, how to get inspired creatively, creatively can't talk this morning. It's still too early. I haven't had enough caffeine. Um, she was writing something about how, you know, sometimes the weirdest ideas are the best ideas. And, you know, something about, you know, all of a sudden you open up your door and there's a raptor just jumps at you. What do you do? And that's kind of a jumping off point for a story. Um, so I thought, man, that's a really dumb idea. But then I thought, 
you know, what if you took that and kind of turned it into like, like a James Bond, the Raptors jumping out of the bushes because he's kind of like a James Bond type character. And instead of 007, what if it's 00 Dino? So basically it's James Bond as a dinosaur. And I just wrote a comic, right? TM, TM. It's an idea that I've kind of been messing around with a little bit, but it was kind of a, it just, I just thought to bring it up because you mentioned kind of the exact same thing. So I thought that's kind of funny. That's, that's a cool idea. Just sometimes the best ideas are the ones that you don't let your inner editor get rid of. So that's, you know, little weird fragments of ideas turn into some of the best stories. So that's, that's very cool. Bonus point. If James Dino can't talk. Like, oh, James, I love you. <laughs> that part I haven't figured out yet if it's going to be like an articulate or if it's just like some wild raptor that they dress up in a tuxedo and just <laughs> kind of just trains kind of like the dinosaurs from the, the newer Jurassic Park movies. That part I haven't figured out yet, but it's a work in progress. <laughs> and that's staying on the editing floor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now, Girl's you know... Screaming like a banshee. <laughs> now we're kind of here for the main event you know we're we're here to talk about queen queen barbarian charybdis sorry i had to make sure i had that all all right so why don't we talk a little bit about you know what it is and where you kind of came up with the idea for it uh okay i guess i'll i'll lead so um barbarian queen charybdis started as um just kind of an idea i had because i I had been doing a lot of like, I, I was coming off of Sassone, so I'd been doing a lot of Cape stuff. I had done a lot of, um, I'd done my horror comics and things like that. I kind of started pushing those out. Um, but I really wanted like, I love Jurassic Park and dinosaurs and all that kind of stuff. And so I really wanted something with dinosaurs and I wanted something kind of, uh, well, this, the, the stuff I've said, gritty, pulpy, something a little bit more like the stuff that inspired me, which is what the my horror comics were, but I just kind of wanted to go a more, a heavy metal angle if you're familiar with like heavy metal magazine you know it's like yeah. that kind of short anthology horror kind of stuff or mm-hmm. anthology uh, adult comics i guess although this is like pg-13 but um so i kind of had an inkling of what i wanted to do i kind of knew I, what the story was i wanted to have um a, a female barbarian because you know just kind of there's there's so many stuff that's like I, you know i love conan i love um, you know, Deathstalker and all those other like in you know, the huge boom of 80s uh, sword and sorcery movies. I love all that stuff. Um, but I always thought like the idea of like just a powerful female character like a Red Sanja was also really super cool. And so I wanted to do something that was that, but like maybe not quite as uh, sexualized as some of the Red Sanja stuff is, which, you know, n- no shade to that. There's a there's a market for everything. Sure. But I kind of wanted to do it a little more like would would she really wear a chain kini to fight? You know, so it's steeped a little bit more in uh, a little bit more kind of a real world fantasy aspect. So I kind of had an idea for a story and I took that to um, Shiro, who uh, latched onto it, helped me flesh it out, came up with the name. Got to give got to give credit. Charybdis came from Shiro. Um, And I really kind of just said, hey, listen, I've got this idea that I kind of like. I think it's stuff that we both really like. And I haven't seen you do a lot of work in lately. Can I pay? Can I pay you to make this comic with me, and it'll be our comic, and we'll uh, we'll get to do the stuff that we really enjoy and that we think is fun. So it went from being kind of like a let's do it on the side to the more we worked on, the more like okay, well this this is actually something we could flesh out and not make it just like a little one-off hobby thing we did. We can actually you know we can put a narrative in here. Um, so it's that's what it is, and like you know, Shira helped hone the idea of 
not the not the clumsy dumb barbarian, but Charybdis is intelligent. Charybdis is a smart barbarian. There's so much more to Charybdis than just you know hack and slash. Yeah. You know that the whole the whole aspect or the whole main narrative is she's rescuing her daughter from the necromage who has kidnapped her. So there's like the the overarching motherhood and uh, as Shiro points out frequently, the way that Charybdis reacts in the stories we've written so far. Uh, almost has like a motherly aspect to it, especially towards Slink, the little lizard man that hangs out with her. Very cool. What were some of your inspirations for coming up with some of the the character designs, Shiro? Um. Oh, great! There's the ADHD coming in. I have to Google the name again. <laughs> I love this person, but <laughs> Grace Jones. Yes, thank you. Ah, nice. You. Okay, that's why I'm in my notes. I love her. Okay. Uh, I inspired Charybdis's look from Grace Jones in uh, one of the Conan movies. Okay. And her overall personality and attitude is from, like, quote-unquote, normal Grace Jones. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, um, I want her to be tall. I wanted her to be strong, but not necessarily bulky, because she's an older woman. She's sure. not in her perfect perky 20s. She, she's been at this for a while. She's old. She's wary. She's not completely out of her prime, but she's not at her prime anymore. But she's still going. That's cool. Yeah, definitely. I can now, you know, I can definitely see the resemblance for sure. Um, what about your inspirations for uh, her sidekick, Slink? Oh, Slink, I just slapped some lizard pieces together. But I will admit he's a little bit inspired by the thief character in Conan also. Okay. He's a little bit cowardly, but not completely. Most He has confidence because he has Kay with her with him. <laughs> Very cool. But, and he's, he's sneaky, but he's not evil. So he's kind of sort of well-balanced. He's obviously the, the comic relief. But he's also like very loyal. Like, let's say they're in a dangerous situation. He's not gonna go in front of Caribdis to protect her. Yeah. But he's not gonna run away. He might hide a little bit behind <laughs> her, but he's not gonna run away. He's gonna stay there. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, you said he's kind of sneaky, but based on you know the things I've seen, especially the jail scene, he's not real great at being sneaky. <laughs> not really. <laughs> He's not a professional at anything he does, to put it politely. <laughs> that's that's fair. All right, so this project just launched on Kickstarter yesterday, uh, the 13th, because I'm not sure when this will be out. This will be out before your campaign's over, probably within the next week or so. So it's been out, you know, for a day. Um, tell us a little bit about the process of setting up the Kickstarter and, you know, kind of what people can expect to see. Lee, that's you. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the process of setting up the Kickstarter, um, if we strip away all of the the self-doubt and the panic and the freaking out, uh, we <laughs> wanted to give, th that is, that's the major part, <laughs> uh, we really <laughs> wanted to give uh, kind of a concise package. Um, one thing that I don't like in Kickstarters is a lot of FOMO, so oh. I try to keep the tiers kind of tight. Uh, I try to let people get exactly what they want. But if they wanted to come in and be like, eh, I don't want to worry about it, click. You can just kind of get everything uh, within the limitations of what we have available because some things are limited. Um, I try not to go too crazy with the variant covers because I am I am guilty of that. Of wanting like three and four covers just because I really like supporting uh, the artists that I enjoy. Sure. Uh, we we also um, 
I wanted to make one of the, the I wanted the main cover is one that I thought everyone would love. One you might normally see as a variant cover is that uh, the VHS cover that we have, the, the classic video store cover. Um, but we've got the the regular cover. We've got uh, covers by Orange Zeppelin, who is an incredible uh, uses uh, not digital but physical artist. Um, and uh, we have a cover from Orange Zeppelin. We have a great one from Mike Ruth, who's worked on uh, Gargoyles and Ninja Turtles, Swamp Thing. So uh, it's it, it looks so awesome. And you can actually even uh, as a one of one, Mike has donated that cover. So we can um, do we're doing that as a part of it. So you can own that cover um, cool. or the, the original artwork. Um, but we've gotten uh, everything. I just I wanted to make it very 90s. So there's a free foil pack in card. Um, so like when you would be a kid and you'd open up the poly bag and you'd get the, the shiny card that goes with your, you know, scratch and sniff embossed fold out cover hologram, whatever nineties gimmick comic. Yeah. Uh, so we included the card for free. We have an original song by Steven Todd that we have as a download as one of the stretch goals. We've got, uh, an ash can that I was only available at local shops here. We have a hundred of them. So that's limited, actually not even a hundred available because we sold through a few of them, but um we have a a major tier that's like the barbarian royalty tier where you get an original piece by shiro of a slink watercolor and a, a moment of relaxation i mean it's we tried to um try to make it fun and i tried to set the goal pretty low so that all the extra stuff starts rolling in really quick so we we have our, our stretch goal tiers are pretty close together um and then the, the big stretch goal we want to hit is if we get uh i think it's at forty five hundred dollars we're going to add a couple extra pages of story, which is what, what we really want to do is be able to expand the comic even more and give people some more reading. That's very cool. And, you know, like you said that I, when I saw the cover, I was very excited because like you said, it's usually people will put that in as a, as a variant cover, but the fact that that's your main cover is, is very exciting. I'm, I'm very interested in that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, and it looks very vintage. It looks very nineties. As a kid from the 90s, I can definitely, yep, I'll, I mean, I, I can't speak for all 90s kids, but I can definitely say with my experience as a 90s kid, it definitely kind of brought back, brought back the 90s vibe for sure. As a all 90s right. kid, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, once this Kickstarter is over, um, what do you guys have planned next? More. Well, I mean, well, well, go ahead, Sherry. What do you have planned next? More Charybdis. I am enjoying my time on that book so much, and I've I've drawn what three pages, and I'm already having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to make more. I I want to go through that entire story as fast as I can because I'm having that much fun. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, I I would agree. Actually, this is I can't remember, and I I love you know every book that I've written has been a good time. But the amount of like uh, camaraderie and it's just uh, because Sheer and I are co-creators on this, it's not a situation where I'm I'm just a writer that hired an artist. I, I chose someone specifically who I knew shared my uh, the things that I enjoyed so that we can make a book that's almost like just fun. And I mean, it's not like fun. It is fun. I've had such a good time writing it. I've had such a good time just shooting different ideas to Shiro. And I know that when, when I hear you better write that down, that I better write that down because it's something that's going to be good. I mean. We've already uh, made some major story beats. We already kind of know, well, not kind of, we already know how it ends. We know what happens in the finale already. So if everyone will just get us there, 
then we can, we've got a really cool story that has a, an ending that you're not going to be able to predict and a crossover you're not going to be able to predict. So uh, that's, I'm really excited for that. But we've, we've definitely put a lot of, a uh, lot of love and a lot of heart into trying to make this as authentic as we can for the people who enjoy this type of media, this type of uh, comic that you can't, ne might not necessarily be able to find easily anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've written, we call them episodes because each, uh, it's not a, it's not like a regular standard 24 issue comic. Each story is like an episode, like you would get on a Saturday morning cartoon. So each story is like between six to 10 pages. So in this first founders edition, you get two episodes, uh, episodes one and two, and then you get what we call a side quest, which is what that little two page story is, um, which is sort of like the GI Joe PSA at the end. It's like they're, they're like, okay, the episode's over, but we got to fill an extra three minutes. So that's what the side quests are. It's like kind of these floating stories that just take place outside of the standard timeline. Um, but just kind of like our little, we got we got five more minutes to, or, you know, a few more minutes to fill in the episode. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're really selling that kind of story as a cartoon aspect from that. So we I've written several episodes so far um, and we have so many ideas and we have a whole like, laundry list of things we want to include from all of the things that inspired us just things from like you know conan and classic horror and classic fantasy it's there's everything in here it started kind of a little more serious but the more we found out that some gags work and the levity actually gives it a little more a little more heart uh we started putting a few more gags in there that's awesome so you you said you had the ending planned out you know if ideally if you're able to fund all of the issues to get to the end how many issues are you looking at you know that's tough because like we we didn't really start it like we knew how it ended but the whole thing is uh, especially with like the conan stories and things like that in comics it's conan's an, a good example of kind of like our our template that we use because those stories do kind of float around the lore you know so you can kind of detach things um so we kind of tried to write it with that uh serialized sort of uh you know, newspaper comic strip, you could pick this up and, oh, okay, this is, let's see what they're up to in this one. And then maybe you go back. Um, so like there is a narrative, um, but you know, I, I could easily see us doing 20 issues before we hit the end because we have so many, and so many different stories. Like we, we literally have, I have a whole page of bullet points of places, different characters, uh, different story elements, different things you want to include. And basically it's like, Shiro put it really well we're two adults banging action figures together. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So every That's time exactly it's, what we're doing. Every time it's time to write, we just go to the toy box and go pick up some stuff and like, let's play with these today. And that's what that's what we do. That's awesome. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> that's a heck of a story too, Luigi and Weird Al. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's a heck of a story. Cool. All right. Well, you know, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Um, for the ending, I like to usually ask everybody, what's some advice you'd give to, you know, want to be your up and coming creatives, just, you know, to help kind of get them started. Shiro, let's start with you. What's some advice that you'd give? Do it. Sounds simple, but it's incredibly hard for a lot of young creators because they do come to me and they ask me, how do I start? Just start. I'm not good enough. I don't care. Just start. You will be good enough in your eyes eventually. Trust me, even if you're doing like stick figure comics, somebody will love you. That is the whole point of cyanide and happiness. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely a market out there for that, you know, that XYCD or whatever. I don't remember the name of it, but I know there's that whole series of just stick figures. So, yeah. And you can't get better if you don't ever start. Exactly. I want to wait till I'm good enough before I start. No, 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 no. You start now. Now, now. Take the pen. Do it. Now. I'm looking at you. Do it. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I know I've talked to friends who are like, I have this great idea for a story, but it needs to cook in my brain a little bit longer. Like, why? You can't. I mean, yeah, sure, you can fix stuff in your head and move stuff around, but really, you can't really start making it until you start putting it out there. So why why wait? Like right now, I'm currently like peer pressuring one of my friends who has this story that he, he wants to put online called Mongrel. It's a it's another fantasy setting. It's an it's a knight that was cursed into about a dog this big. He's still wow. technically a human, but he's got this big bulldog head. And he was cursed <laughs> because he started like feeling superior to people. And that's not good for a knight. He's supposed to be good. Sure. But he, he got a, He copped an attitude with a witch, and the witch said, Uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't gonna have any of that around here, buddy. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, Put it out. And he said, but I'm not good enough yet. Mm, I'm going <laughs> You can't get good if you don't ever start. Exactly. That's good advice. All right, Lee, what about you? Well, for starters, I would like to publicly peer pressure that person also into releasing that story because that sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> so I I agree, just do that. But uh, building on what Shiro said, it really, from a writing aspect, just start writing. Uh, from a comics creating aspect, uh, you and I have spoken about it a little bit, but uh, lift everybody up. You don't have anything to lose from elevating your peers. Um, yeah. I'm all for uh, cooperation or whatever they call it. Like, you know, like everyone trying to get their thing out there is fine. Um, But like, you know, punching down and things like that. I I don't like anything like that. I really think it's the whole community benefits when everyone is trying to help everyone's comics get made. So I'm a huge fan of cross promotion. Um, I really think it's important when you're just getting out, especially as, as a writer with no artistic talent, if you want to get stories done, Start small. Uh, even if you've got the the biggest epic ever, you've been working on it since you were in middle school, you have everything planned out, start small. Whenever I, uh, I've done editing work and whenever I do editing for people, I always ask, okay, but like, how does your story end? Or sell me your story in less than a paragraph. Um, if you if you can't, because like if you're at a table, that's all the time you have. Like if you're tabling at a con, you've got about one paragraph to get people to be interested in your comic book. So um, starting small, I highly recommend people start with um, you know, just short stories like this because it's a lot cheaper to try out different genres, find an artist that you like, you know, spend a, spend a couple hundred dollars getting a, a short story made than to try and invest in that epic and build your audience with that. Um, and that's uh, Dirk, Dirk Manning is one of the people that um, I admire as far as like his storytelling. And that's one of the things he started with was short stories. Um, so, and that was, that was kind of where I got the idea to begin with shorts. I've only done a few full length comics just because I actually love the, um, kind of like the box of the short story. I mean, saying, you know, telling you that we came up on Tales from the Crypt and thing like, things like that, heavy metal, the idea of, I always uh, use the phrase all killer, no filler. And that's what I like to do is like, I, I like to sell you a story in like eight pages. Cause if you, you know, you gotta be able to hold, if you're going to hold on to them. 
you got to be able to do it for eight pages because if you can't do it for eight pages, you're not going to do it for 800 pages of your epic. So that's what I always tell people is, you know, trim the fat, tell a tight story. Uh, don't draw it out if you don't need to and start as far in as you can. You don't always need, you know, he was born on a Monday on a on a farm. And, you know, the whole the origin story isn't always necessary. Sometimes you can just say, here's the character. I mean, we don't start Charybdis with an origin story. We're in it. By the time Charybdis starts, stuff's happening. It's already happened. We're already actually past the point most of people would have given up on this story. As far as like Charybdis's journey, as Shiro pointed out, she's uh, she's an older character. So she's been at this for a while. She's been fighting this fight. And most people would have given up because her daughter was kidnapped when she was young. And who knows if that daughter's still alive, but, but, but she keeps fighting. And that's kind of the whole idea is to like start it where it's interesting, not necessarily where you think it needs to start, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And yet, all killer, no filler. Definitely another great '90s reference, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, as a short story writer myself, you know, I definitely can relate with a lot of that. Um, and Dirk Manning, a fantastic guy. I actually interviewed him a few shows back, and he's very, very inspirational dude. He's so great. And you know, like you said, you know, you it's hard to create by yourself, so it's it's hard to not have those cheerleaders out there because having those cheerleaders to help elevate you that definitely i know for me personally if i have people blowing me up like hey you're an incredible writer you should keep writing that definitely helps like yeah i'm gonna go get some writing done because these people want to see what i've got to tell or like they want to hear my story so yeah that's that's really great advice thank you for sharing that absolutely if i can give one more piece yeah. Get an editor. It doesn't matter how good of a writer you think you are. Even if it's just, you know, your significant other that reads over, find one more pair of eyes to read stuff because I've done work editing and I still like for this campaign, I let someone take a look and they're like, is this giant space supposed to be between these two paragraphs? And it was not. Oh yeah. That was, that was this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That was right. It was yours. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You're the one that told me. See. Yeah. So perfect. That that's the reason. That's why you need that second pair of eyes. No matter how good you think you are, find one more person to to just read over it one more time before you put it in print. So you make sure you're getting all of your you know all of your stuff correct. And I want to actually tack onto that. You need to get a good editor because, um, I used to have a co-writer who I'd say, "Hey, can you look at my stuff?" And everything I, I sent him stuff, he would say, "Yep, it's great. I have no notes." And I'm like. I appreciate that, but I I know I have confidence in my writing ability, but mm -hmm. I know that I'm not good enough that there's no notes. <laughs> so right. there's there's got to be something that you can tell me and he would never have anything to tell me. So that's definitely important is to get someone who's not just going to blow you up, but they're actually going to help you like they're going yeah, to exactly. critique you, but they're not going to be mean about it. I mean, yeah, some people need you to be criticism. mean about them. Some people need you to be mean and that's fine, but. I don't like oh, when I people are mean. mean. I don't like when people are mean to me. So just be be constructive, but be nice. So yeah, constructive criticism. That's very, very important. You can't just have someone that's going to tell you, yeah, everything's good when there's no way. So, I mean, I like I said, I have confidence in my writing, but I don't think that I'm so good that I don't have anything that I could fix or change or edit or mm -hmm. anything like that. So cool. All right. Well, where can we find you guys at? Where can we keep up to date on your work? Shiro, let's start with you. Well, like I have a link tree at So Very Unofficial. That that if you look up 
the the words like in one in one block so we're in official no space you can usually find me i'm on the vine art i got my own uh, website sovereignofficial.com um you can find me on global comics too uh, i over there i have some uh, fan comics the actually very popular super mario adventures continued uh, i mean i'm at the tail end of the sixth episode right now I'd like to say it's critically acclaimed because I got a lot of fans and that makes me very happy. <laughs> very <laughs> and cool. also on Tapas and Webtoon, once again, so very unofficial. If you're looking for bootleg cookie, that's my autobiographical. Hey, c'est dur à dire quand t'es français, ça. Comic. Basically, real stories that happened to me that I don't even believe happened to me, but I was there. So yeah, they did. <laughs> awesome. All right, Lee, where can we find you? Uh, a lot of the same places. Uh, I try to keep my name consistent, so it's Raven Writing Desk, no G, one word, on just about everything. Uh, on Global Comics, it's uh, Benali Books, which is this right here. Um, and I also have a link tree, so if you just uh, look up link tree Raven Writing Desk, there's links to everything, including the current campaign. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on uh, all like all 50 of those social media sites that blew up all of a sudden. I'm on like a bunch of those. But yeah. wherever it is, it's Raven Writing Desk, no G. Awesome. All right. And just keep up to date on all sorts of nerdy goodness, everything good in the world of nerd, including reviews, interviews, stuff like that. Check out our website, geek-network.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GeeksAZ, Geek Network on Facebook. I am CD is weird on Instagram. The music for the show is by my friend, my friend's band, Polygon Horizon. They're a great band. Go check them out on Bandcamp. The logos for the show are done by my friends Chris Chandler and Mike Belcher. Great comic book guys as well, so go check them out. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell your friends because word of mouth is our friend. And remember, kids, to embrace the things that fuel your weird and always geek responsibly. Lee, Shiro, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having us. <laughs>